0: Good morning, Welcome Spectrum, as you come back in. when um, i don 't preach very often at churches as you've probably noticed, but when you look at the, the schedule when it 's sent round, i 'm um, sure the other preachers here will notice you kind of you have a look and you see what passage you 've got and which bit did I get. Did I get a good bit or did I get a slightly naff bit and um, I shouldn't claim there's any naff bits of the Bible, but sometimes it gets sliced up in that way maybe. And uh, I was quite pleased when I got this section, this, this time, this term, and I was quite excited. And it feels like um, we've prayed for, for our nation and for other nations. It feels like an interesting time in the world. We've got a, an important meeting as a church tonight. And I think some of what God's gonna hopefully reveal to, to me and to you this morning is, is gonna impact how we go about life and not just depart from us the minute we walk through these doors. That 's my prayer, otherwise, we may as well not bother. <laughs> um, my passage is very strongly linked with um, what John Farron shared about last week, and um, I did listen to it. I wasn't here as a way, ministering some men at a men 's weekend, um, and uh, John Farron kindly set me up about seven times, I think, for things that I'm going to explain to you and expand.. <laughs> Uh, He's not here this morning, so in return, maybe next time he speaks, in five minutes just before he gets on to his main topic, he might explain predestination in return. (laughs) Anyway, John Farron aside, John, I'm sure you're listening to this on the tape. Um, Thank you for the points you highlighted, and I hope I've included them correctly. Anyway, I'm going to set the scene. A little bit of repetition of last week's passage. Um, It's less than two um, months since Jesus' death and resurrection. Um, and it's about ten days since Jesus um, ascended back into heaven. Uh, the disciples, um, uh, and probably sorry, the, the apostles, and probably the seventy that were sent out, are all gathered together. John explained it was nine in the morning. They probably weren't in the upper room. They were probably in the temple because that's they were where they would be doing prayers. And um, Uh, There's lots of Jews in Jerusalem at this time. They're celebrating Pentecost or the Festival of Weeks, which is like um, some kind of uh, festival of of thanking God for the first fruits of the harvest, the the early crop, which I guess happens earlier there than than here. But it's not now, though. Obviously, it's after Easter, May sometime. Um, As John told us, um, the Holy Spirit fell on those believers that were gathered in the temple, in a way that they weren't necessarily expecting. They'd been told that the Holy Spirit would come, but by goodness it came. Um, we had different languages. We had people understanding what was being said, even though someone didn't speak their language. We had a roaring wind. John talks about the roof being blown off type, type wind experience. Um, tongues of fire resting on people's heads. It was quite an event. You didn't miss it. Um, so much so, that the Jews that were at the temple, and there were lots, um, came to see what was going on in this area. They came and had, oh, you know, what's happening? There's a bit of a kerfuffle. When I got home from work on Friday night, the road just next to me was, seemed to be closed, and there were cars queuing, and there was a bit of chaos. And I wanted to go and see what was going on. People want to know what happens. As it turns out, there was a fire. There was a car on fire. Hope it wasn't any of yours. Conduit Lane Friday night? Didn't leave your car there? No? Good. Um, There wasn't much left on Saturday morning. Some people thought the believers were drunk. And Peter had to say, they're not drunk. It's nine o'clock in the morning. It's the third hour of the day. So Peter, and probably the other apostles as well, addressed the crowd. Now the crowd is Jewish people who haven't believed in Jesus being the Messiah. The same people who wanted Jesus crucified. This is an interesting crowd to speak to. This is maybe like someone that's pro-Brexit speaking to someone that's anti-Brexit in Parliament. It's a contentious situation, potentially. Um, The Bible tells us that he uses a loud voice. He has to speak up over the commotion and what's going on. He didn't have a microphone. And he explains that this is a fulfillment of the prophecy in the Old Testament. He specifically quotes Joel, which we'll look at in just a moment, but it's a fulfillment of a heck of a lot of prophecy in the Old Testament. And he goes on after explaining the prophecy, um, or saying the prophecy, to um, preach to the crowds. And maybe, depending on whose commentary you read on this, the 11 other apostles were also preaching, maybe each to kind of groups that are gathered round, and maybe each apostle by the Spirit was speaking in a language that could be heard by the people that they were talking to. Or maybe each apostle took it in turns. But it seems likely that they were all involved, and recorded in the Bible we have Peter's sermon and what happened. which obviously without going into massive amounts, this is a big turnaround for Peter. This is great. Hence the loud voice and the confidence. The Spirit has made a difference to Peter. And Peter's preaching was the first fruit of the Holy Spirit coming to live in somebody. This event, as as we'll go on to talk about, is one of the most significant events in the Bible. There's lots of significant events in the Bible, but there's also lots of telling us how people lived and how people walked with God and genealogies and what happened. This is a turning point in the way that God related to his people. This is where everything changed. So Peter is now full of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God in three persons, equal, equally powerful, tied together, but God by his Spirit came to live in. Peter and in the believers there and comes to live in us which I'll keep saying today God is inside you if you've accepted Jesus so Peter goes on to demonstrate that Jesus was in fact the Messiah, he talks about the signs and wonders, the fact that God um, um, God authenticated who Jesus was, he goes on to convict them of the fact that they led Jesus to be killed and crucified that's a nice thing to say to a crowd that's listening to you isn't it You lot caused someone to be killed. It's going to go well. Um, But God brought him back to life. He explained the resurrection. explained that the prophecies had come true. He quotes and explains that the resurrection was a fulfillment of King David's prophecy. He explained in a way that maybe people hadn't understood before what David was speaking about. Um, And he did it with such wisdom and ability beyond what he's shown us before because the spirit was in him. Now, the crowd, these kind of unbelieving Jews, have realised the spirit speaking through Peter has made them go, oh. They were cut to the heart, it says. And um, they maybe think they've missed their chance, like they've killed the Messiah, this guy's proved what we did. Whoops. I don't know. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Maybe something a bit bigger than that? (laughs) Something ruder perhaps? I don't know. But they they realise that they need to respond to what they've heard. And um, they say to Peter and maybe the other apostles, "Okay, got you. Hearing what you've said, what do we do? What do we do? And um, what's the answer when someone says they want to be saved? Believe and be baptised talked about it quite a bit recently. And um, Peter also explains that the promise is now for all people. And I'm not sure it's fully understood yet. It goes on as, as the, the New Testament carries on to explain it further, but we'll come to all and everyone a few more times in a, within this this morning. But it's for all people in a way that maybe hadn't been encompassed before. Slave and free, female and male, Jew, and whether or not Peter had understood this yet, non-Jew. Thank you, God. <laughs> so last week, John shared the image, um, and I thought this was wonderful, wherein Luke. Um, Luke sets the scene and explains how at Jesus' baptism, which wouldn't have been in a baptistry in a church, but was in the river, um, God's Spirit visibly descended on him and and rested on his head like a dove. And we saw the Spirit of God enter Jesus. And then we see Jesus ministering with the Spirit inside of him. Yeah? And that's just wonderful. But then the book of Acts, John explained that essentially that was like a, a mirror. And in the book of Acts... The body of Christ is now us, or the early church. The body of Christ is now the church. And what do we see? The spirit descending on the church. And then we go on to see the church moving in God's spirit as the body of Christ. And there's a lovely parallel image there of of Jesus modeling what, what was gonna happen. In the Old Testament, um, the Holy Spirit appears on people for certain tasks. Now Helen's going to put a verse up, or a few, it's coming, there it is. Um, So in Exodus 31 we read about Bezalel, I don't know how you say his name, but I'm going to say it Bezalel. Uh, The Lord said to Moses, see I have called by name Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, ...of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the spirit of God... ...with ability and intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship... ...to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver and bronze... ...in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood to work in every craft. And that's the first explicit wording we get in the Bible... ...of God saying he's put his spirit on or in somebody... ...and it is for a purpose... It's not telling us that it's come to dwell forever. This guy's got some jobs to do in making some stuff for the temple. And It's interesting that he's got crafts to do. The first example of God's spirit is in um, kind of a kinesthetic, making, doing kind of a thing. Jesus was a carpenter. God made the world. I think God likes making stuff. Who likes making stuff? You're made in the image of God. He likes making stuff. Um, So in the Old Testament, we see the Holy Spirit, but we see the Spirit appear for a time, on a person, for a purpose. Um, We don't necessarily see someone staying in that place with God inside of them throughout their entire life. Um, And in the Old Testament, for people to be made right with God, um, there were kind of two parts to the law. There was the law that convicts people, that is God's holy law, that says what is right and what is wrong. But then there was the ceremonial law because the holy law convicts people of being wrong. We're all sinful according to that law. Um, And in order to be made right with God, they had the ceremonial law, which is um, a system of religion sacrifices, offerings, rules, priests, no direct access to God. Um, And it was quite difficult. You had to follow the rules. And I know some of us, especially me, would quite like Christianity to be a set of rules that I could follow now. And uh, I tell you what, it's not. And if you're following a set of rules, trying to follow God, you're on the wrong track. I guarantee it. I've tried. Um, But Joel prophesies, and I think this would have been outrageous when people heard Joel's prophecy at the time he said it, that all only meant all, and, and it's described there as slave and free, male and female, daughters, sons, old people, young people. I think we can quite safely take that to mean all. Do you get all? It's at least everybody that's been in this room this morning, and probably eight billion more. <laughs> all. God's Spirit will be available to all people, uh, and that they in turn will prophesy. Through Jesus, God now offers his grace to all people. The process of being made right through ceremony, that ended. It stopped. It's not going to work anymore. It's not relevant. The times have changed. Guess what happened? Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus fulfilled the ceremonial law, Jesus died in our place, he wasn't guilty, he was sinless, he lived the perfect life, his death in our place, uh, fulfilled all the requirements of the law, and through him, through his covering, uh, we're made holy. Isn't that good? There could be one or two amens. I was quite excited thinking about this this morning. And um, I've been rather challenged about my apathy, and we'll we'll come on to my apathy in due course, but I was excited about worshipping this morning, and I was excited that this is about something entirely new. This is about a new way of living that wasn't based on on rules, and this is something that's available to everybody. Um, So the last days that Joel refers to, those are now. They're from the pouring out of the Spirit that we just read about roughly 2,000 years ago until Jesus comes again. We don't know when Jesus will come again. Um, So in a sense, we better look sharp because it could be any time. But Joel does go on to explain some signs and uh, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on that kind of thing. You can read about them and see if you think they're happening and ask God. But the best thing is that we're in the last days and the Spirit has been poured out and offered to us. That's the important point for this morning. Um, I'm going to whiz through four verses now that Helen's going to uh, put on the screen that are just about the Spirit. And then um, we'll move on. So the first verse is from John 16 verse 8. It's just coming. Click once more. There we go. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So one of the things the Spirit does inside of us, he lets us know when we've cocked up. Oops. When we've got it wrong. Um, When we use a bad word. When we do something to upset somebody. Um, I'm sure you've probably all heard that voice. The Holy Spirit doesn't condemn us but convicts us. He lets us know when we need to change something or do something right. Uh, John talked about don't quash the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes when we ignore that voice, that's one of the ways that we quash the Holy Spirit. So we're not listening to you, God. But God is inside of us and He'll let us know how to live. It's good news. Next verse, John three three. Um There we go. Truly, truly I said sorry, Jesus answered him. I didn't put that bit on. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now this born again business is entirely tied up with receiving the spirit because baptism is the perfect image of it. And we talked about this not long ago. Uh, When we become a Christian, we essentially die to the things we used to live for. We die to ourselves, we die to the old self, and we receive this infilling of the spirit in that moment of becoming a Christian and we have a new life that is identified in Jesus' life that he lived. Not in our sinful life, but in his perfect life. And 1 Corinthians 3.16. Now, aren't the 3.16s in the Bible great? There's loads of good ones. If you want to look for a good verse, try all the 3.16s. So 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? So in the Old Testament, You went to the temple, you did the offerings and the sacrifices, you killed the animals, you poured the blood out, you repented, you saw the priest, you let the amount of time pass and you were um, right with God. But you couldn't go into that inner sanctuary where God dwelled, you couldn't enter the Holy of Holies, you couldn't kind of get inside the Ark of the Covenant and hang out with God, you'd have been dead But now, God, because we're right, because Jesus has made us right, because he's paid the price, God came to live inside of us. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Tina can come again. (laughs) Someone's excited. And the last verse, Acts 1, verse 8. Um, says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Peter and the other apostles and the other believers and everything else, everybody else, um, were kind of waiting. They were just, it's been 10 days, Jesus has ascended. We don't know what happened. We presume they were going about business. And then they received power when the Spirit came on them. And what was the power for? It was to be witnesses for Christ in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, in the UK and to the ends of the earth, is what it says. Well, we'll include UK and the ends of the earth. Uh, Bridge North, Bridge North Baptist Church, your homes, your schools, your churches, uh, this church, uh, your workplaces. All the ends of the earth. So the Holy Spirit came inside them so that the gospel, which is what I'm meant to be talking about, but I got a bit excited about the Spirit, uh, would would go to the ends of the earth. So our old lives have gone. Our old lives have gone. <laughs> a new life in Christ has begun. <laughs> yeah. We're a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. The relationship that, with God that was broken way back at the beginning in Genesis, humans messed it up before they'd even begun. But so did all of us. That relationship that was so broken right at the start has been repaired. We don't have a ceremonial or system of religion type relationship with God. He has come to live in us. And that's the big change. Up to this point, God has had this, this distant relationship with people. This, this relationship which kind of made God seem like a meanie and everyone else seems small. And God said, no, you're adopted into my family as children. Jesus set the model for the relationship that we're to have and the way that we're to live. Everything changed. But this is for a purpose and it's to do good works, to further the kingdom. And that is being the body of Christ here on earth now. We are the body of Christ. Hopefully, in time, it will result in a complete transformation from what we were in our old lives, dead in sin, to looking something a lot more like Jesus. We're not going to get there till heaven. And my warning this morning to myself and and to anyone who wants to share in this is don't spend your life trying to ask for more of the Holy Spirit, trying to get more whole, more healed up, and forget Why? Forget being the body of Christ, forget being the kingdom, and seeing the kingdom come. You will be transformed as you step out on that journey that Christ has for us. As you do the works that God has for you, God specializes in using the least appropriate people in the Bible. Have you read the Bible? The people he chooses, he would not pick this, we would not pick this way of doing it in business or in church. If we were planning a, you know, a kind of revolution to change the world, the leaders he picked, they were ropey. The people he picked in the Old Testament, they were unreliable and sinful. But through using um, messed-up people, God is glorified. We don't need to be perfect in a human sense in order to glorify God. In fact, in some ways, the more messed up we are, the more glory it gives God when we minister by His Spirit. Not proposing you, you know. <laughs> Your love for God will, will compel you and, and the Holy Spirit in you will convict you. Um, start relying on God's Spirit in you to build the kingdom now, not then. Um, I was telling Mark Triggs something this week. Mark Triggs is my business coach, so I preached at him this week when he asked me what I was going to say on sermon. I got, on Sunday, I got a bit carried away, didn't I, Mark? And um, he asked me if I would repeat a little bit that I said I wouldn't say. Ruth was also there and she said, don't say it. So I'm going to go with Mark, Um, but I'm quoting Pete Gregg. So does anyone know who Pete Gregg is? It's got to be okay if I'm quoting Pete Gregg. Um, He basically said, you know, this life isn't about getting more more and more and more and more of God until one day we explode with too much of God and then wake up in heaven and smoke the cigar after the event. Okay, so, um, (laughs) more of God is received as we give more out. We're asked to be leaky vessels that leave this trail of God's Spirit. So John talks about the imperative way that it says be filled with the Spirit. What it means is be being filled with the Spirit. So in a sense, God's Spirit has come to live in us and I don't think he goes away, but maybe we get numb to him, maybe we stop listening, maybe we quash the Spirit. In the same way, we're asked to be leaky vessels so that as I'm going about my business, as I'm preaching in church, as I'm looking after staff in my workplace, as I'm um, helping my family doing whatever we're doing at home, that I'm leaking out a trail of the Holy Spirit behind me, that the kingdom is being brought about as we are Jesus. Jesus came to see his kingdom established. We are the body of Christ. We're seeing the kingdom established, or hopefully that's what we're seeing. Don't try to be perfect, step out first. Let God perfect you on the way. He'll give you the tools you need. He sent the, um, the 70 out and he said, don't take anything. So said, really, don't take a bag? No, don't take anything, it'll be fine. He doesn't need us to be perfect first. We're doing all right for time. I was concerned this might turn into a three hour epic, but we're nearly there. I'm gonna give you a bit of a challenge and give me a bit of a challenge by means of a response. So um, in Matthew six twenty-one. Jesus said, "'For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also.'" Where's your treasure? Is it in the kingdom? Is it in things above? Someone put a hand pointing up. Is that where your treasure is? It's not where all of my treasure is. I'd like it to be. I'm not there yet. Um, what, What strikes me about the apostles and in reading about them is they've given up everything to follow Jesus. And in a way, it almost feels to them like they've given up Jesus. He's gone and left them. They've given up everything. They've given up families. They've given up businesses. They've given up possessions. They have given and given and given to follow Jesus. And and then he's gone as well. And then when the Spirit comes, they're kind of back on it. And it's all they've got. It is their life. And I don't know how we do that now. It's so hard for that to be our life. If you want to put the next bit up. um, I just kind of wrote this down. The apostles weren't focused on anything but kingdom. That was it. And I'm challenged that the pursuit of a comfortable, maybe you could substitute safe, um, sensible, Christian life distracts me from the spirit leading me and leaves me complacent and ineffective and impotent. Maybe just me. Um, Now, we're gonna zip back into the spirit in the Old Testament again now, very briefly, just to share a verse and put it in context. So Zechariah 4 verse six contains, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Now what's amazing about this little verse is that um, Zechariah was prophesying this when the temple was being rebuilt by Zerubbabel. Now the opposition to building the temple was massive and the amount of help that Zerubbabel was receiving was very, very small. Um, So this word from Zechariah, which is part of an amazing chapter, is very encouraging to Zerubbabel. God says, don't worry, it's not by might or by power, but you'll build this temple by my spirit. Now what are we building? We're building the kingdom. Who are the people in the kingdom? They're temples of the Holy Spirit. I think this word is for us as well. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, not by your skills, not by your perfections, not by all the training and the courses you've been on, not by all the inner healing you've received, not that any of those things are bad, but you'll do it by God's spirit. So we're going to leave those on the screen if we could, Helen. No more clicks. Um, Do we quench the spirit or do we welcome the spirit and respond to him? Have we stopped listening? Do we only respond sometimes and other times? It's just... It's easier to say, God wouldn't ask that of me, or I don't think that voice is God's. We've we've tuned out, we've gone to a different radio station. That might be a problem, I think it's one of mine. What's the fruit of your life? John talked about recognising the Spirit by the facts and the fruit. Now the Spirit feels good, don't get me wrong, but that's not the fruit. The fruit is what actually happens. Can you recognise the fruit of the Spirit in your life? And when Peter and the apostles responded to the Spirit, they saw 3,000 people saved in a day. What things might the Spirit do if all of us were responding to the Spirit every minute of our lives? Just this week, what might happen? Can you imagine? Can you get excited? Can you remember this when you leave? Or is it gone? Is it just exciting to hear it and then it's gone? That's my problem and I, I don't want that to happen to me. I don't want my apathy and my comfortable, safe life to mean that I leave this message just right here. Um, I'm meant to be talking about the power of the gospel, so I just wrote down something in the worship that the power of the gospel comes and happens when we respond to God's spirit inside of us. I think that is the gospel. We are the gospel. And it's going to happen when God's spirit is inside of us and we respond. God asks some outrageous things. Be prepared to hear them. I was, I'm reading Luke and I was challenged when Jesus said, whoever leaves their family for me to further my kingdom will receive more in this life and the next. I mean, imagine if you went to someone and said, I think God's called me to go the other side of the world to this probable death trap and I'm going to leave a young family at home. I imagine all of us would probably give some good Christian advice and say, I don't think God would be asking you to do that. But Jesus says... If that's what's asked, then the reward will be there. And I'm not saying that we're all called to do outrageous things, but we're called to listen to the Spirit. That's the challenge. So this morning, um, I think we've got a prayer team. They've got their badges, or they might run and grab them in a moment. Or if they haven't got badges, I really don't care about badges. They can still pray without a badge. God doesn't need badges. Do you know that? But maybe they could come and sit at the front or stand. Go crazy. And I don't want... In asking people to come for prayer this morning, it to be okay that you've been challenged by hearing the Spirit speak to you. Come to the front and respond, and that's the end of it. In fact, don't come to the front if there's a danger that you'll feel better because you've had some prayer. Stay uncomfortable, if that's the case. I'm going to ask the prayer team to pray for an increased level of discomfort in your lives an increased level, a, a, a decreased level of comfort—that that dependence on the Spirit might come—is that a brave prayer this morning? There were some lyrics to one of the songs that was very similar: "Take me deeper," where um, you know, basically, where I've got to rely on God. Take me somewhere I've got to rely on God this morning. The oceans not a good one, actually. Um, <laughs> God, I'd really like to go deeper with you, but please don't make it too uncomfortable. I don't think that's going to work. It's not going to cut it. I'd love it. It's not going to happen. So this morning, if you don't know Jesus, this is all a bit alien to you, and you haven't accepted him as, as the saviour of your life, as the thing that covers all the bad stuff, as the thing that gives you a purpose, something to live for in the now and in the then after this life, the thing that makes sense of this mess of a world, we'd love to introduce you to him. Wouldn't we? we'd just love to introduce you to him and ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit so you can get in on this. There's definitely prayer for that this morning. You get front of the queue. Or just find someone near you and I'll introduce you. But if you're already a Christian this morning, you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. You're a Christian, God's come to live in you, but you might have got numb to it. You might have silenced that voice. You might have stopped listening. And um, this morning we'd like to ask that God would open the ears of our heart Thighs of a, whatever. <laughs> that God would break down the barriers that we've put in place and that God would open us up to listening to him again, that he'd fill us up afresh, that we'd start leaking it out instead of getting stagnant and just bottling it up, that we might be transformed just for us and not for anyone else's sake. It's um, about it really. I'm going to pray. Um, maybe the prayer team could come forwards. Do you want to come forwards?